Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. In our never-ending I Work For Him desire to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways that will challenge the way you think about your faith and your work, today we are talking about the book Every Good Endeavor and the Ministry of of the Theology of Work Project, the Ministry of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. And we have a very special guest, author and speaker, Catherine Leary Alsdorf. She'll be joining us for this discussion. Catherine, welcome to the I Work For Him show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here, Jim. Uh, and it's so great to have you. I'm glad. I know we've been talking about this show for well over a month, but I'm grateful that you're patient. And there's so much really cool stuff that I want you to tell my audience. we got to roll right into it. But I wanted to read this scripture because this is all about what you've spent the last many, many years doing. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21 says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified our eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus every good thing that is pleasing to him, all glory to him forever and ever. That really describes 
so much of what you've been involved in this last decade or more at Redeemer, at the Center for Faith and Work, at, at now at the Faith at the Theology of Work Project. There's so much going on in your life, Catherine. I can't wait for people to hear how cool God has been in using your skills to help equip people in the workplace. Thank you. So tell me right today, because we always start this with every guest, just on a basic question, because everybody on this level playing field, when we all get before our knees, before our Heavenly Father, we all are being impacted daily by Jesus Christ. How is Christ making an impact on your life today? Well, actually, just today, I'm looking out the window, and it's the first signs of spring in New York City, and it's been a very hard winter here. So just that that reminder that we're so privileged to have that um, God makes new life out of every winter or every death is so powerful. And then as I was waiting for um, our time to come on, I heard your weather report down there in Florida. <laughs> and so I also realized how covetous my heart is. <laughs> your, your 80 degrees is a lot different than our 40 degrees. But, but seriously, as, I, as I'm in this particular stage of my life, I... Um, I am making some transitions. God's calling me to new things, and so that His bringing new things out of uh, new beginnings out of every season of our life is just such an encouragement. Mm. Yeah, and I try not to rub it into my guests that call in from up north about how incredible the weather is here, because the coldest it got here this winter was one morning, and it was thirty-five. <laughs> we had a hard time breaking 20 this winter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've watched it. We've watched it. I'm from Minnesota, so I miss the cold and the snow. I desperately miss the cold and the snow. I'm hot right now sitting in the studio. I miss the cold and the snow, but my wife doesn't. So we're in Florida. <laughs> so, Catherine, I want us to walk through your life story a little bit because it, it, it really leads to where you're at today. As I understand it, you came to be a Christ follower at Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City and then started to understand how to connect your faith and your work. So what led you to that big church? Because it's not a small little church in New York City. Well, it was an absolutely very small church because I was brought to it by a colleague in 1989 when it was just beginning. Oh. So I had not gone to church anywhere uh, for at least 20 years at that point. I was, I think you'd call it inoculated against church, and um, yet I was, I was um, nagged, I guess, by a colleague to just at least come once so many times that I finally succumbed. So Redeemer was very, very small then. I remember thinking, you know, I've been in high-tech startups. Those are small. I don't want to go to a startup church. I don't want to be here. Why am I here? So that was the beginning of my coming to faith. Well, and talk about it. I mean, because now was Tim Keller the pastor then when you started first visiting back in 1989? Yes, he was. He was the founding pastor, and um, New York City was very in need of a church, although I didn't know it at the time. And I really did think that perhaps uh, God had had him come to New York City just for me. Mm, wow. So you came to faith in Christ, and then Tim Keller, through his, really the way he runs his organization, as I understand it from an outsider and the things that I read in newspapers and books and, and the influence he's had has been incredible, but he preached from the pulpit that you needed to connect your faith and your work. How did that sound to you? 
Yeah, I mean, I was, um, I'd gotten an MBA, I'd moved my way up the corporate ladder, and I think if he hadn't talked about work, I would have just turned around and walked out again, but he sort of got my attention in the way he described the church as being all its people, being the church out in every job, in every profession, in every industry of the city. And so I thought, oh, wow, here's, this is new. This is a pastor that just doesn't describe himself as the church, but we're the church. That's, that catches my attention. And then he would talk about how the gospel changes the way we work. It's a paradigm shift in how we work. And I thought, ooh, what does he mean by that? So really his focus on work from the pulpit got my attention as someone resistant to church and resistant to Jesus. Wow, that is just so cool. So you had quite the illustrious corporate career before all of this stuff that we're going to talk about today. I mean, you just talked about some mergers and you were in the tech world. What was your career before you actually started working with Redeemer? Well, I'll give you a a little bit of a story here. Um, I did, it took me a long time to finally succumb to Christ. But when I did, um, I thought, you know, while I like my work, I think when you give your life to Christ, you have to be willing to do whatever work He wants you to do. Mm-hmm. And so I was a little worried about that, but I knew for me that was an important piece. And um, sure enough, about a month after committing my life to Jesus, my boss, the CEO, called me into the office because he had learned he had a brain tumor the night before. So he said to me, I have a brain tumor. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I need you to take over the company. And in that moment, I thought, wow, God, I guess you really do want me here. Hmm. And from that point on, I had heard before that you could be called to business, but I directly experienced that in, in that moment, in that time. And so that was quite a launch. To, uh, a decade of career and growing in um, what it meant to be a Christian in the marketplace. So then a decade. So what year did you give your life to Christ? <laughs> it was probably around 1990, 1991. Okay. So you spent a decade applying your faith to your workplace. You had some incredible uh, really opportunities in the workplace. And then somehow Tim Keller woos you to come on staff with Redeemer to start <laughs> this. I, I, I make sure I get the name right. The Center for Faith and Work. Isn't that what he brought you in to, to start? It is. It is. And so how did he do it? How did he how did he get you to leave? Because you probably had a really good job and living in New York City, as I understand it. I've only been once for an entire day in New York City. I'm a Minnesota boy. New York City is a little intimidating. Uh, but as I understand, it's very expensive to live there. So, you know, giving up an, a, a nice paying job is difficult in a town like that. It is difficult. Um, I actually I had moved to New York, to California, to Menlo Park, California, and my the prior six years, I had been running technology companies out there. Um, and it's a pretty funny story, actually. Um, I had had a, a real star Internet technology company and um, was even interviewed in Christianity Today as um, one of several 
CEOs in Silicon Valley who were Christian. And in the internet bust in 2001, that company went under. So he learned of that and said, well, I hear you're sort of in between jobs, <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. What do you think about moving back to New York City and um, helping us start a faith and work ministry? And, you know, that was the last thing I was thinking of doing. All I could think of is, well, I need, you know, I, I haven't made enough money yet, or um, what would all my colleagues out here think of me if I gave up and went and worked for a church, or um, what do I know about doing ministry? So all, all three of those things were, were um, big deterrents in my mind, but um, really it was God's leading. Um, on the other side of the decision, I thought, for 10 years I have been moaning the fact that churches really um, don't have much to offer those of us, especially in leadership positions in the marketplace, um, on how to do it as a Christian. And um, so I've been complaining that the Church didn't do a very good job at this, and you know, when you complain, God has a way of <laughs> pulling you into something. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, I, you know, I've been an entrepreneur, so I thought, well, maybe this is a startup thing, it's going to take some, maybe that, that's the fit, you know, God's God's equipped me for this. And then finally, because Redeemer was the church where um, God got me, uh, the church God used to reach me, I thought if there was ever a church I wanted to serve in some way, it would be this one. So those three things caused me to say, I guess, Lord, this is you leading Wow. So what was the center when you guys set this up? What was the Center for Faith and Work all about? What was your vision when you first set this together? Yeah, I mean, I think Redeemer had a vision to um, have every person in the congregation believe that they were the church, not just when they were worshiping, but when they were out in their neighborhoods they lived in, and the places of work that they um, were working in. And that, in fact, um, the Church's reduced impact in our world today is in part because we don't view the Church as the Church scattered. Um, We don't really empower people to be out there um, living for Christ in the very work that we do. So Redeemer's vision was to change that. But quite frankly, they didn't really have... Um, I, had a, I had a blank sheet of paper in terms of how we would change that. So um, I got to look at the needs of people in the Church, try a lot of things to understand what they felt they needed. I got to experiment and try a lot of different kinds of programs to see what really got traction, what really seemed to make a difference in people's lives. And, you know, really the important thing was I was was looking to see what would be the gospel change in their thinking, the gospel change in their motivations for work and their desires, and the gospel change in their actual behaviors. So that was sort of the end goal, is seeing transformation in our people. So it, it became like a division of the church, right? I mean, was it, was it a place where people went and got trained, where they went for special, like, Wednesday night sessions or Sunday morning classes? I mean, how did, it, how did you in, 
infiltrate the church with this Center for Faith and Work? I mean, how did that look? Yeah, you know, I think one of the most important things is that Redeemer actually restructured as a staff to um, accommodate this. Um, They restructured to make uh, faith and work equipping um, and mobilizing um, a core mission of the Church. So they have five missions. One is worship and evangelism. One is community formation. One is mercy and justice. One is church planting. And the fifth was faith and work, um, gospel-changed faith and work. So I think it was very important that it was not just a program or a department, but a mission, a Mm. core mission of the church that had to infiltrate everything that we did. Mm, That is so fantastic, because that's what we want to encourage all the churches across America to recognize that that this isn't a program, that it is a restructuring of the church. It's a paradigm shift in the way they approach church. I just want to put out a kind of a public service announcement. You guys know my heart and my soul has really become attached to Clearwater Christian College. What a fantastic job they're doing, raising up students who graduate with a biblical worldview and understand that their faith applies to no matter what workplace they end up in. And coming up soon, we'll start commercials next week. They've got a golf classic coming up at West Chase Golf Club on April the 17th. And they're looking to use that to raise money in order to be able to give students more and more scholarships to grow that community of students that are getting equipped to go out and make a difference no matter what the workplace is. Find out more about that golf classic, the Cougar Golf Classic, online at clearwater.edu. That's clearwater.edu or call them 727-726-1153. All right, back to Catherine. Catherine Leary Alsdorf, Catherine, you were saying right before the break about that the whole church, you had to really shift the entire paradigm of the church in order to set up the Center for Faith and Work, that, that everything shifted. How agonizing was that for the church? Well, I think it was a little bit difficult just in terms of um, the leadership of the church and, and things like that. Obviously, there were some... Um, it's always a little awkward, but the church had um, had a strong commitment from the beginning to be external facing, to really um, be focused on the city, not just on ourselves. Mm. And I think that's the the gravitational force in most churches is um, give me something for me. Let's do something together on the inside, and it's just it takes constant work to push all of our attention, the congregation and the staff, toward serving outside the walls of the church. So I think we recognized that takes work to do that. It takes constant recommitment to do that. But it's where God wants us to be. That's the direction God wants us to be pushing. Well, that's a fantastic transition because of all that and how you guys arrange your church. You and Tim Keller wrote a book called Every Good Endeavor. So it's time for a book highlight segment. Our book today, of course, is Every Good Endeavor, written by Tim Keller and Catherine Leary Alsdorf. In a world that is increasingly competitive and insecure, people often have nagging questions. Why am I doing this work? Why is this so hard? Is there anything I can do about it? With deep insight and often surprising advice, Tim Keller and Catherine Larry Osdorf show readers that biblical wisdom is immensely relevant to our questions about our work. In fact, the Christian view of work, that we work to serve others, not ourselves, can provide the foundation of a thriving professional and a balanced personal life. Tim Keller and Catherine Larry Osdorf shows 
Show how excellence, integrity, discipline, creativity, and passion in the workplace can help others and even be considered acts of worship. you got to get a copy of this book. Call in now to get a free copy. 855-265-2929. 855-265-2929. And remember, you got to read this book. Don't wait for the movie, but we don't have time for the music. Kath- all right, we're talking with author and speaker Catherine Leary-Alsdorf all about her book. We're just getting started with that. Her book, Every Good Endeavor, and the ministry of the... Center for Faith and Work, and now her transition to the the Wow. No, I've had no Mountain Dew for any of my regular listeners. The Theology of Work Project. Welcome back to the I Work For Him show, Catherine Leary-Alsdorf. Hello. (laughs) I know. Sometimes I get a little bit much. I understand. But you live in New York City, though, so this should be nothing for you. (laughs) Now, I was born 20 minutes south of New York City in a small New Jersey town, so I have a little of that blood running in me, but it's been a long, long Long time. time. Very long time. All right, so before the break, we were talking about how your church made that transition, and you realized after you made that transition that other churches needed help making this transition. So how how did you guys then start equipping other churches to make the same paradigm shift? Well, after, you know, 10 years of um, starting and developing and growing the Center for Faith and Work, we really, the book came out of those 10 years, um, and we were getting more and more questions from other churches about, well, what what are you doing? What's working? What isn't working? And so um, I transitioned, um, I turned over the leadership of Center for Faith and Work to um, a very gifted young man, David Kim, who uh, had been running our fellows program um, about two years ago. And now I work for a Redeemer, an organization called Redeemer City to City, and help other churches in other cities actually around the world um, build faith and work into their core mission of their church. Redeemer City to City. Now, is that on your website so they can find out more about that? I mean, is it on the Redeemer website, or do they have a separate website for Redeemer City to City? If, if you go to faithandwork.com, you'll learn a lot about the Center for Faith and Work. And if you go to RedeemerCityToCity.com, you'll learn about what we're doing with church planning around the country, around the world. So what was Gotham Fellowship all about? Well, the Fellows Program was one of about five major programs that we developed. Um, It really grew out of doing lots of classes and realizing that um, while our people were very educated in their profession, they were not very educated in the Bible and in who God was and who they were made to be under God. And so we created an intensive program um, I almost hate to use the word, in theology. Um, we basically <laughs> said, hey, if they're willing to go get an exec MBA program at night or a master's in this or that at night, why don't we offer them a one-year, a nine-month program to get the uh, equivalent of a year of seminary that would really bring their faith life a little bit more up to speed with their vocational training. So the Gotham Fellows Program is, is actually just amazing. We've done eight, we're in our eighth year now. We take 40 people from the church that have had to apply and they, you know, pay a tuition. Um, and we take them through a nine-month 
program, which is one night a week, one Saturday a month, and one weekend a quarter. And it's intense reading of primary uh, sources like um, Augustine and Calvin and, you know, the people that really shaped our faith. And it's lots of focus on Bible study and prayer and time with God so that you're um, you're, you've got the resources of the faith to really uh, prepare you and nurture you through your work life. And then we apply that all in a, uh, to the application of how does, this, how does this inform how we work, who we are when we work, and our goals and purposes for our work as we try to serve God in, those, in our work. So you started off, somebody drags you into church in 1989, you you become a Christ follower in the early 90s, then God thrusts you into the biggest and most powerful and fun, influential years of your life in industry, and then during the dot-com crash, which, by the way, I probably own stock in the company that you were in, uh, the <laughs> crash, because, boy, I had a lot of high flyers that, that that year that went down. I was young then. I can't believe I did that. But anyway, uh, my financial advisor, he you know he's apologized me a few times. But anyway, so then God draws you in, and you help start up the Center for Faith and Work. Then you start to develop this Redeemer City to City. Then you've, you've got this Gotham Fellowship, and all through that, you and Tim said, hey, when did this come up? We should write a book. When did that come about? Well, about 10 years into it, we um, felt like we'd gotten some traction with what was really uh, making a difference in people's lives. So um, some of it was just purely um, understanding what Genesis had to say about who we were made to be and the work we were made to do. And some of it was, what does Revelation have to say about what God, what Jesus came to tell us about in terms of the new heavens and the new earth? And so we really um, wrote Every Good Endeavor as a encapsulation of um, the material that worked well in training and transforming the people's lives in our congregation. And now it's sort of the basic 101 text for our ministry internally, but we're glad to see that it's also being used to jumpstart lots of other ministries and lots of other churches. Well, it's basically a handbook. I mean, really, it describes where the idea, I mean, it, it really is a handbook. I mean, there, there is a lot of information in there and that I've read in bits and pieces in lots of other books, and you guys have it really all in one book. So how did you team up on it? I've never written a book because, I don't know, I don't know if I could sit still that long, but how did you come to doing this as a joint effort? I mean, really, you're running the Center for Faith and Work. Tim's running a, a church that has now grown to be extraordinarily large. How did you guys ever have time to write a book? Well, Tim is an amazing man, and he did most of the writing, but, you know, over the 10 years, He had spoken, um, and I had more taught and structured at a lot of our faith and work activities. So we had a collection of things that he had prepared prior to the actual writing of this book, and I was able to create an outline and um, stick the pieces in the right places, and then he spent a lot of time editing it, and I spent a lot of time editing it, and together I think we've got a pretty good product. Now, I want to say it's not a how-to book. It's not a, here's the 10 rules for living a faithful life in whatever your vocation is. And it's not a how-to, this is how you create a faith and work ministry. What it is, is this is what the Bible says Mm -hmm. about who you were made to be, 
and what God wants you to be doing in this world. And, you know, we talk a lot about the fall. We talk a lot about how did the fall of, you know, the reasons our world is so broken can be traced back to the fall. But not only that, the reason we're so broken is Mm -hmm. traced back to the fall. And I think a lot of our focus with our young people is coaching them through an understanding of their own idolatries, their own um, either pride or greed or uh, desire for power, all the things that are evidence of the sin in each of us, um, how that affects our work and how the gospel gives us the resource to um, overcome that, to become a different person. You know, and you s- so that's really the focus we're trying to get to. You say that it's not a how-to book, but but I get, I disagree with you just from my perspective because it's not a how-to book. You're not going to give it to a pastor church and say, okay, here's how to you know shift the paradigm in your church because first of all, pastors will be very resistant to that. But for the individual Christ follower, it's the how-to book. It's the wow. Open my eyes up and see something I've never seen before. Open my eyes up and hear something I've never heard before. Open my eyes up and let me see that my life in Christ is more amazing than I could even imagine. I mean, that's what it is. It is truly an eye. It's the eye opening experience. And it leads people through here. How do we get here? And what do we do with this knowledge at the end? I mean, that's what I say. It's a how to book to me for that individual Christ follower. It's helping them connect their work, your work, to God's work. What you say on there really helps. It's that dotted line. It's connecting the dots. Right. And what I love to hear is stories of pastors that preach through the book, and then all their small groups are going through discussing it chapter by chapter, because that that is where they get to really process what they've read into their own life. That's where it gets to go deeper, needed deeper into their own hearts and their own um, practices in their own life. So you're still involved today in the Redeemer City to City program? I am. I am. I uh, speak all over the place these days. So how many churches have gone through that program? How many churches are, you know, when you, when you look at a percentage, how many of them are getting exposed to this whole idea of a paradigm shift to equipping their believers in their church, that the restructuring their churches to put faith and work at the center, I mean, really equipping people to go out the door and make an impact on their workplace. How many churches are getting involved? Well, Redeemer's had church planting efforts for the last 10 years, so we've helped plant many hundreds of churches around the world. But the faith and work part has just really been developed in the last two years. So, no, I I would say we directly worked, or I have directly worked with, you know, maybe 100 churches in the last couple years at one level or another to try to give them just a little bit of... um, the tools and the resources and the motivation to do faith and work. One thing I, I want to say that's kind of interesting is that, especially for church planners who are really trying to uh, reach out to people in our cities who have never gone to church, who have no exposure to mm-hmm. church, um, the topic of work is very compelling. Everyone, everywhere, no matter what your faith system is, struggles with meaning in their work. It's just part of our culture today. Everyone struggles with fear of losing their job. Everyone struggles with some aspect of, are they doing what they're really meant to be doing? 
And so I think the church planners in particular see the faith and work area as a um, sort of vanguard of evangelism. Um, it's If we talk about work, if we help people see that what God made them to be, um, that will draw them into hearing more about the gospel. Mm, and I agree. And we got it. And that's why I say in my opening, hey, in your workplace, at your mission field and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet because it's so true. But we need to equip our Christ following friends with the tools in order to be able to go out and know that that they really are called to their workplace. So uh, the. I want to shift gears on you because you're now also involved in the Theology of Work project. You and your husband, John, and a team of 14 others. At least that's how many people were on the website. What is the Theology of Work project? Yeah, maybe seven or eight years ago, um, I got a call from some guys in Boston who started the project um, who have this idea that maybe churches would do more in this area of faith and work if they had the resources as pastors were preparing the sermon, if there was actually a commentary, a biblical commentary on what the Bible has to say about work. So over the last seven years, we've gone through every single book of the Bible and um, written about what it has to say about work and um, edited it in this committee of 14 people going from lots of different denominational perspectives going through and saying, all right, this one, this sounds right, but we're not emphasizing this enough, and, you know, just really um, creating a product we felt like we could um, put our names on, and that is all available on the Internet for free under theologyofwork.org, and so at this point, every single book of the Bible is up there, and we've got some what we call topical articles, an article on calling or an article on ethics, some things that sort of go more thematically through the Bible. But if you just want to understand, go to Hebrews and say, you know, what do I need, what from Hebrews can I glean that would really help me understand my work better? Um, we've got a commentary up there for you. And it, those are now being published in some hard copy, and so we've got some Bible, some small group materials being created around those commentaries as well. So we're excited. We, we think that we are providing some much-needed resources um, that both pastors and church leaders, as well as um, the everyday congregant, is, um, are starting to access in a big way. Wow, that is so cool. That is so great. And that's something we are definitely going to highlight more and more on the show. We may just need to dedicate a whole show to that project or, or maybe a great. whole, or maybe a whole show on the Redeemer city to city project. Cause we want, I really, I've been frustrated the last two years on the air with hearing how few pastors here in Tampa Bay are equipping. And so I'm, instead of criticizing, I've got to shift the gears to let's equip them. Let's challenge the people that go to their churches and bring it back into their pastors. And this theology word project is exactly what people need to bring. We've been talking all hour with author and speaker Catherine Leary Alsdorf about so many things that her life has been turned upside down about, but it started with the Center for Faith and Work as part of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. And then it is it moved on to helping establish Gotham Fellowship and helping establish Redeemer to CityToCity.com, which equips other churches on how to bring faith and work together and shift and shift the paradigm in their churches and then involved in the Theology Work Project. And Catherine, that's where I want to focus the rest of our time. 
So you've got this resource on the internet at theologyofwork.org, theologyofwork.org. And you just said to me before the break that every book in the Bible has been combed through for people to be able to look at how they can apply their faith and work and how to draw out what the Bible is saying in those books about applying their faith to the workplace. How does that work? Give me, give me some, can you give me an example? Well, I, you know, I think everybody should start with a commentary on Genesis and just, uh, I think we go through Genesis 1 through 11 in the very first commentary. And so, you know, you, you would just read your Bible and have the commentary all, up on your screen as you're reading through it, and there would be a lot of um, explanation of verses that may be confusing. There would be a lot of um, highlighting a particular application of the verse to your to a contemporary workplace situation. Um, and you know the you you can't really just pull a verse out of the Bible and say all right, this verse is the one that I'm going to apply to my life. You have to have a picture of what the whole Bible is saying. You have mm-hmm. to understand the storyline of the Bible. And so a lot of what we're trying to do is help people um, understand how to fit their lives into that bigger story. And that, I think, you know, as you're, as you're preparing a commentary, you're both focusing on the specific book, but you're trying to give a sense of the big picture of the Bible as well. So... It's um, It was a challenging project, but I think it's really helpful. I can't even imagine. So, you know, there's the Life Application Bible, the Ryrie Study Bible. Is there going to be a Faith and Work Study Bible, where you take all your commentary and smack it right into the Scriptures and create it all together? Is that what's next? Well, I don't know that we're going to do... We don't know what we're going to do next, but um, there is a... This sort of would sit side by side as opposed to being integrated with it. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't mean I, to yeah. stymie you. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't tell you I was going to ask you that. I just thought of it. I thought, well, that'd be really cool. That'd so, be interesting. That's right. That so, so you're saying it's so big, it'd have to be like a secondary commentary right next to the scriptures. Cause it's just so much stuff that is, well, because we're not, we're not doing like a verse by verse, by verse commentary as okay. much as we're saying, what does this chapter have to say? And what does this book have to say? So we're being, we're pulling the themes out of the book. And I think that's much more meaningful than just saying, all right, just, you know, a note to this particular verse. So it's maybe more like in your study Bible when you have a one-page thematic commentary Mm -hmm. that accompanies that section of the chapter um, rather than the notes at the bottom of the page. You deal with all kinds of people from around the world. On then they ask you questions. Boy, I just how do I get started applying my faith in my work? What's the one word of encouragement you want to leave people with today as we close out the show? What's one thing that you have said so many times as you encourage people in in applying their faith in work? Well, I probably about ten things, but um, no, we don't have time for I ten. Think, so I'll just ask you to pick the top one. <laughs> I I think I would say that it's not so much about you being a better person because you're a Christian, because I think in truth there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus who are wonderful people. I think what it is is being a person who knows what Jesus did for us. And that makes us be more humble, that makes us be more loving, that makes us be more grateful, that makes us have more hope. So I I think there's those characteristics of being a Christian that come out of knowing 
how much Christ did to save us that really will make an impact in how we work in the world. Well, and that's an amazing work of the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, too, that make those things come out, even when we sometimes we don't know that it's going to come out. And it's, yeah. it's while we could have easily done a three-hour show in this, I, we're going to talk again because we've got so much more to highlight for people, and I want to get people in front of it. But for now, we'll just direct them, theologyofwork.org, theologyofwork.org. All right, we've come to another end of another I Work For Him show. I'm looking for a 1,000 people to commit to be part of the I Work For Him nation, a 1,000 people that will do these things. Start praying daily for their co-workers and employees. Start looking for ways to reach out to those co-workers and employees outside of the office. Start looking for ways to serve them inside and outside of the office. Start looking for ways to pray with people when you see that their demeanor is down and they're open to you praying with them. Start being the best and brightest person in your position in your office. I'm looking for a thousand people to commit to living a consistent witness at home in their neighborhood and their office and to recognize that you're a Christ follower no matter where you are. Contact me via Facebook on I Work For Him. Email Jim at IWorkForHim.com or on our website, contact us or hit subscribe. I want to hear from you that you're wanting to commit. I've got a teacher from Hillsborough County that's been emailing me. This this is starting a wave. We want to make an impact on Tampa Bay, not by joining some powerful movement, but by taking our faith and putting it to our feet and walking into our workplaces. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him. 